One, two, one, two. Come on, let's hear another round of applause there. Praise the Lord. Amazing, amazing love. Amen? Amen. We're having a good time in church this morning. Uh, are we center with the table? Oh, wait. It's heavy. Is that good? Yeah, good. let's go. Sorry, I know they get a bit anxious at the back there when the table starts. Why don't you guys give our viewers at home a big round of applause. Welcome, everybody. Sheesh. We have so many people that actually watch this stuff throughout the week. They don't watch it live, but, man, people from all over the world connect with it during the week when they've got time. So um, we, must, we must actually make a, um, a note of never forgetting about those who are, might not be there now, but should be there in a couple of days' time. Yeah, for sure. So welcome to those folks. There is no time or distance in, in the spirit, in prayer, or in the word. Amen? Amen. The word Amen. is life. So if you watch it, to, you hear it today, it's still going to have the same power when you hear it on Wednesday. Amen. Hallelujah. Speaking Hallelujah. about Wednesdays, how many of you guys are coming to discipleship school and enjoying it? Isn't it awesome? And guys, hey, thanks, Greg. And uh, we haven't even scratched the surface yet, guys. We are just like, we're just like barely putting our, our feet in the water. And uh, when we really go in there, you guys are going to experience, in the, experience the depth of the word, the warmth of the word, and you're going to see what it does to your heart. God is good. Amen. 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 I don't know what Holy Spirit's doing. In the last two weekends, we've just basically had no time to get into the Word. So we're going to jump straight in and then we'll do, the, we'll do the stewardship right at the end. And then you guys can just, um, you can do your EFTs and you can uh, uh, put some money into the bag or whatever the Holy Spirit has showed you to do. You can share as we walk out the door. Is that cool? Amen. Awesome. Why don't we open in prayer, Bash? You want to open for us? Let's do it. Let's, Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Father, we thank you for this amazing morning. We thank you so much that you are faithful. We thank you so much that you are good, Lord. We thank you so much that you are life. Thank you that you have made a way for us to be connected with you, Lord. That you created us brand new, Father. That we connect with you in spirit and in truth. Thank you that you have held nothing back from us, God, that you called us to a new life in you, that everything old has passed away, Lord, and we are now alive in you, Lord. Thank you so much for the freedom that we have in you, Lord. And as we study your word this morning, we thank you, Holy Spirit, that every heart here is open, every heart watching online is open, Lord. I pray that you give them a supernatural understanding of your word, Father, that it becomes real in their hearts and practical in their everyday lives. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 One more round of applause for the King of Kings. Amen. Say, I'm ready for the word. I'm ready for the word. Amen. Father, you so good. Well, so, the license to kill. Grace, the license to kill. Everybody, you got to put your gun up like you're in James Bond. And go... A double barrel. Double barrel. Yeah. <laughs> don't point it to your head. No, we don't <laughs> want that in church. Yeah. Okay, but... Um, <laughs> when people to get the wrong idea watching this video later. But we're going on the journey of how to, how to kill the ego. Amen? And I think it's going to be an amazing one. And we may as well jump straight into it. So you guys know, and we've taught you so many times, that um, this is all about Adam and Christ. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about here? Everything is about the first Adam who was uh, pl placed in this beautiful spot, this delightful spot known as the Garden of Eden. It's the place where heaven and earth overlapped. And because man carried that glory of God, because man was connected to God, when he was in the Garden of Eden, he had this direct connection from God to him, his soul was alive in God. His soul was not disconnected. It was not dead. And his soul would process God into his soul. It would go from God to soul to the garden. Are you with me? God, soul, God. When man fell, he now processed life, garden or external soul. And then I need to run to God to fix it. Are you guys with me? This was something, uh, uh, and when this happened, 
Not even the garden produced what it used to produce anymore because man lost this connection. Nobody will ever understand how great this fall was. Nobody will ever be able to put in words or, or bring out concepts to describe how great the fall is when man fell from his place in the image of God. Okay? From that image, man was an Erdogan. How many of you guys know what Erdogan means? From that image, he was a capable manager of the garden. He was a capable authority of the external. He was so connected to God that when he spoke, he spoke life. Are you with me? Then the curse came on the garden because man's soul got disconnected. Now in that disconnection, there's a part of the soul that broke. How many of you guys know what part of the soul broke? Your conscience. So there's a part of your soul. What's in your soul? It's your mind, your will, and emotions, okay? There's a part of, of your soul called the conscience that knows what level of life we used to live at. It remembers, it knows. It's, it's a part of the DNA, but it's just broken. And because it's broken, it could never, ever get itself back to that place that it needed to be, yeah. amen? So the first Adam and everybody born after the first Adam was born into sin. What is sin? Born into the state of being that will constantly miss the mark, miss the glory that it should be carrying. Are you with me? Miss it. So it was a state that was depraved. It was a state that was hopeless and it was totally uh, um, self-powerless to get itself back into that original state, okay? So God sent Jesus, and now Jesus is the second Adam, okay? So everybody under the first Adam is born into the root of sin. From their mother's womb, they are brought, born into a type of being uh, uh, that is not operating, it's not functioning the way it was fu- uh, supposed to function from the beginning. Yeah. And through that, there was, there was this degradation over time and through the corruption of the seed now from Adam going through to, uh, through to uh, Cain and Abel and all their brothers and sisters. And as time goes by, it's more of a degradation over generation to generation to generation. Are you with me? So Jesus has to come as the second Adam, and he is not born of the seed of a man. So one of the fundamental pillars of our faith is, is that Mary was, um, um, what's the right way of explaining it? Mary conceived. Mary conceived from the Holy Spirit. A perfect seed. Incorruptible. Incorruptible seed. From Mary now, from Mary's womb, comes the, first, the second Adam, which is the first of many brothers, sisters, brothers, us, okay, who now has reestablished man again, okay, in, in, in the body, in, in this actual physical body. So that now when man speaks again, he speaks with the same voice that the first Adam spoke with. That's why when Jesus said to the devils, get out, they got out. When Jesus cursed the fig tree, creation recognized the voice of the first Adam. Are you with me? So the voice of the second Adam, uh, the perfect voice, the perfect incorruptible seed of the second Adam, he says, now you can be a part of this. If you believe. So in Romans 5, it says this. It says, through one man, sin all became sinners or born into sin. It says, but through one man's righteous deed, righteous act, all those who get born again into him, I'm paraphrasing, but you can go read it. All those who get born again in their spirit are now a new creation. Are you with me? They're not like the old one. The old one is gone. If you are now in Christ, the second Adam, are, are you with me? The catch is that your, your five senses, okay, the veil of your flesh still remains. So we can walk in the authority and the power and the peace and the righteousness, but we can do it by faith. 
And the Bible says that we have received the Holy Spirit in our spirit as a deposit unto the, the final redemption of the complete being, which is when we will see Christ face to face and we will no longer have the veil of the flesh. Okay, the veil of the flesh is not just your flesh and bones. It's not the tent that everyone's thinking about. It's the perception through the broken conscience of who you are. Are you with me? It's the perception and the life that you live through the broken conscience. So that's why the scriptures tell us we must take the blood of Christ, sprinkle it upon our conscience to appease it so that we may experience the life of the second Adam, so that we can walk in the peace of him, we can live in the righteousness of his, we can have his joy, we can walk in his rights and authority. That's it. Amen? Yeah. So that's the nutshell. Yeah. That's, that's the gospel in a nutshell. Yeah. But the problem is, we still have the veil of the flesh. So now the Bible tells us over and over again, it says, Pick up your cross, follow me. Die unto self. If you, if you, if you find your life, you're actually going to lose the real life. If you go and find this life from the broken conscience, from the veil of the flesh, you're actually going to lose the life that the second Adam has paid for you to have. Yeah. Are you with me? Everything comes down to perception of how we see ourselves through that broken conscience. Turn to the person next to you and say, this thing stinks. <laughs> I can't put it in any other words, but it is so broken that it needs us to keep it dipped deep in the blood of Christ every single day. Every single day. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's, I think it's important that people understand that context. Because um, the, the biggest problem, I think, that with the flesh is that that is the root of majority of all our stuff is how narcissistic it makes us. You know, it makes us the center of all things. So when we hear the gospel of Christ, we actually don't realize that, it were, that Jesus came, the message of the gospel was to fix Adam's mess. Because you see, all the mess that we have in our lives was from him. You see, when Romans 5 talks about how every single one of us was born into sin, it's saying that, listen, Adam's mess up, and every generation after that, you were born into that. That was in you because we were all of the corruptible seed. And as we grow up in life, you know, that prison that we were born into gets fortified because all of our surroundings, right, growing up, was all about protecting ourselves. So that prison gets strengthened. Are you with me? So in Luke chapter 4, where Jesus says, hey, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the uh, prisoners, the recovery of the sight of the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He's saying, listen, I have come to let you know that I have given you the power to break out of your prison. Are you with me? You were born a slave. It's Adam's fault. Sorry, guys. Okay. Just let's take a moment here, okay? Because if you do not understand this principle, guys, everything that Jesus says seems out of context. It seems solely about you and all about you. Meanwhile, he's trying to explain to us, hey, I want you to understand that from the beginning, this dude messed up, okay? And because he messed up, it caused a consequence for every human being that was going to come afterwards, because through him, the seed became corrupt, and everything that the seed produced was corrupt. Are you with me? That's why the Bible tells us that Jesus came, like you're saying, of the incorruptible seed. And what he did was, is that he gave us an opportunity to become new creations that are incorruptible just like he is. But not new creations that are sustained the way Adam sustained it. Because... Adam's action caused the fall, right? Jesus is saying, my action now will keep you righteous. Are you with me? So your action, right, that uh, um, acting just the way Adam did, as much as it will have physical consequences in your life and cause damage and hurt and whatever else, loss, right, pain, okay, it's not going to change your new creation, 
The new creation cannot be corrupted because just as Jesus now is glorified by God, so is our spirit. Are you guys with me? And when we, when we look at the story of the gospel, we understand this mission that Jesus came with, right? Over the years, it's been very easy to think about, oh, yes, Lord, this is all about me. No one else. I'm going to do right by you, and I'm going to. Meanwhile, Jesus is saying, dude, you have no power to do right. I have come to take you out of the prison that was stopping you from doing right. I've come to, to, to cure you of the corruption. I've come to kill that thing in you and make you new exactly as I am. Are you guys with me? That's the scandal of the gospel. You know, and a lot of people will be like, but that's unfair. That seems ridiculous. Well, don't you think it was unfair that by one dude, we all were born into death? I mean, we didn't even get a chance to choose death ourselves. Just like, thanks, Adam. We're in it now. Like, That's why in heaven, Adam was, has been put in charge of the complaints department. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like, you know that kid in class that just won't keep quiet, you know? Yeah. And it's always that class before break time. And the teacher's like, right, because that person's talking, everyone's staying in break. You're like, what? It's like, no, but it's him. It's like, no, but now it's all of you. You know, that's literally what happened with Adam, right? But just as it was unfairly evil, so too is it unfairly just. The righteous, unfairly righteous. Amen? That because of one man's action, we were born into death, but by another man's action, we were all born again into righteousness. Are you guys with me? So if you are sitting here this morning or if you are watching online and you think that the message of the gospel, okay, is about you fixing your little life and, you know, trying to make rights and, you know, I just want to live. Honorable life to God, you know, pastor, you know. That's great. I love that motive. But that is the tiniest part of the gospel. Do you know why? Because if you connect with the true message of what the gospel is, that thing is so effortless and automatic, you won't even realize it's happening. You won't even have to try to achieve that. Are you guys with me? Because it's known as the fruit of the Spirit. And this is why we've got to understand that the world looks at the church and, the, and, and, and they go, who are these fake hypocrites? Who are these oaks putting on their suits and wearing a Bible under their arm on a Sunday? But on a Monday, we know who they are. We take them at work, smacking the secretary's bum. <laughs> We've watched them at work. <laughs> we know. Check out you guys are all up. She said. <laughs> HR is calling you, bro. <laughs> are you with me? We know. They're, they're going... How can, we, how can we be a part of this thing? It's fake. It's false. It makes no sense. Why? Because nobody's given them the context of the two atoms. So Christians are running out there, running into a church on a Sunday trying to be good and show everybody out there, listen, I'm so good. But they could never be good. They could never be at the standard of goodness. Yeah. Are you with me? That they need to be. Today you are good, tomorrow you're going to mess up. Yep. Let's be real, yeah, guys. Yep. You know, I was driving in the car the other day and somebody cut me off. And I was about to like blow my hooter and say whatever, whatever, because I have the right to, right? I mean, they cut me off. I was, in, I was, I was driving well. I was driving slow. And they came into my lane and they cut me off. So at first I'm like, you know what? I'm going to just blow the hooter and tell this oak he doesn't know how to drive. And then... As I was about to blow, and the Holy Spirit goes, in two days' time, you might cut someone else off. So you, are, you, are, you have the right to, to shout and moan and say, hey, I'm driving right, you're driving bad. But what happens in two days' time when you are too busy talking to somebody and you cut somebody else off? Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. So you might be right today, but you're not going to stay right in your flesh. Your flesh is never going to sustain itself. That's why we needed Jesus. Amen? Yeah. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to bring into context the real gospel so you can understand where your fight actually is. Your fight ain't with the devil, okay? Your fight ain't with your mother-in-law. Your fight is with your conscience, okay? But, we, but we're going to teach you the secrets of this thing where you don't even fight the conscience because if you fight it, you land up working harder than you should. That's it. But we've got to know where the problems are coming from. Yeah. 
Are you, are you with me? It's coming from intern, an internal place, a broken conscience. Yeah. And sorry, I just want to mention this. The conscience is a weird thing, guys. I was actually explaining it to, to Mark last night. The conscience has got a reaction. It reacts two ways because it's broken. It's got a left ditch and a right ditch approach, okay? The left ditch approach is, you know, I'm so bad, I'm so evil, I'm so wicked, I'm so self-loathing, I'm so ugly, I'm so unqualified, I'm so this, I'm so that. So it goes to the left. So the left is, I go and throw myself into work. And I work 24-7. And I work and I work and I work and I work because I'm trying to quieten down my conscience. Are you with me? I'm trying to quieten it down and qualify myself in my flesh. If it's not work, then it's alcohol. Okay, well, I'm just going to go throw myself into some alcohol because maybe if I get to the bottom of the bottle, that thing will keep quiet. Are, are you with me? If it's not that, then it's, um, let, me ha- let me hang around with people who are not deep. People who are not listening to their own conscience. People who are not dealing with their own heart. If I just deal with, if I go hang out with people who are always partying, always, uh, you know, chatting about, distracted. distracted about rubbish, because they're actually working the flesh, their conscience. Are you with me? There's so many ways where we try to uh, fall into it, uh, we try to um, appease it on the left side. But then we have another extreme to the conscience, and that is the total right-hand side of it, and that is, I'm so bad, I'm so ugly, I'm so useless, I'm so worthless, I'm so this, I'm going to become a pastor. (laughs) Now, you won't believe how many people we have in ministry that are not called by God, they're called by their conscience. I'm not even joking, guys. I have been with guys that after they've been, they've been called. Meantime, they were called by the pastor, not by God, because the pastor needed to place someone there because the other pastor left. So you called to ministry, buddy. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm called. I'm anointed. I'm appointed. Put him in the position. Five years later, that oak is a wreck because he thought being a pastor was going to appease his conscience. Are you with me? Another way of trying to appease it is helping the granny across the street. See the right ditch. What's some other right ditch approaches to the conscience that you can think of? Buying flowers. Buying flowers. <laughs> and and flowers. chocolates. And chocolates, okay. That's always the good apologies, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, studying more. Yep. Exercising more. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> trying to get more of the word in so that I can feel more That's knowledgeable it. and qualified. But no matter what we're doing on the left or on the right, that thing is still going, danger, 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 danger. Where's the danger coming from? Are are you with me? You can't put that thing out, guys. Mm. You cannot do it. So this is called the, 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 um, the law of the flesh, basically, where we try harder. So we work harder. And then eventually when we get to this place where we think we've arrived and the conscience pricks us again and, and we go back to all those emotions and all those feelings that are related to the, our brokenness, and then the next moment, what do we do? We go and we try harder. Are you with me? Yeah. It, we can never appease it in our own flesh, in our own strength. Turn to the person next to you and say, flesh cannot fix flesh. Flesh cannot fix flesh. You've got to understand something, that your flesh, you must get it out of your mind. The flesh is not your, your flesh, okay? It's not your meat and your bones and your body. It's not that alone. It is the broken conscience of the mind, will, and emotions of the soul, okay? So you guys have got to get that understanding. Yeah, yep. 100%. And, and look, we, we did the heart series last year. I think it was like eight or nine parts. It is a playlist on YouTube and um, our Facebook page. So go check that out where we we go into depth of that. But the number one exit point that Jesus wanted to give you is from that same thing. Because you see what the Bible calls dead works, right, is the left ditch and the right ditch. Those are all dead. Because you see, every single one of us being made in the likeness and image of God, we function exactly the way he functions. So the conscience being the voice in the heart means that it is, the, it is the measure that you are complying to all the beliefs that are in your heart. 
That's why you'll find that some people uh, have consciences that... Con con conscience. conscience? The conscience of some people, right? They're okay with doing some things that other people aren't. Have you guys ever noticed that? You know, like some people are okay with drinking and others are like, no, don't touch that stuff. You know, some people are okay with a certain type of music. Then you go to like South America and some people are okay with eating other people. You know, it's like, geez, that's a bit hectic, right? Don't do that, please. Okay. <laughs> but the principle is, is that that conscience is, is the voice of the heart. So it is the marker or the benchmark of every single belief, the culminations of the beliefs in your heart. That's why when you go against your conscience, it feels so hectic. Because you see, you were designed to operate the, the same way God operates, and that is, is that in a righteous, just way, according to the integrity of your heart. Are you with me? But like we explained from Adam, the integrity of the heart has been distorted along the way. So that's why some people think that they can steal from you and they got no issue with it. I'm like, what do you mean? It's fine. I can do this. I've been told my whole life, this is fine. Are you with me? So... Um, when, you, when you experience that break inside, it's actually the way God designed you. It's calling for a judgment. It's saying internally, something has been broken here. We need justice. We need a judgment. Are you with me? That's why you feel so good after an apology. You ever have a friction with someone? You're like, jeez, let me just, okay, listen, I'm sorry. And you're like, oh, man, that was good. Jeez, should have done that earlier. You guys don't know what that feels like? You should apologize. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but do you, do you guys understand what I'm saying? Right? That's that mechanism that is at work. But the problem is, in and of yourself, you cannot get yourself out of the left ditch or the right ditch. You can try and do everything you want to do because at the end of it, unless your sin is removed from you, you will never get your worth back. You will always be that person who has a spot on you. Are you guys with me? So what did Jesus do? He says, hey, here's a judgment for you to quieten your conscience. Those spots that have been placed on you, I have taken. I have paid the price for those spots. Amen. Amen. Isn't God good, guys? Isn't he good? Give him a round of applause. Come on, man. So we're trying to break down how this works. As you... While you're in your mother's womb, sin is being transferred into the members of who you are. So that's why you're born into the root of sin. Amen. So here's a quick thing on the Ericsson's life stages that I, I wanted to do the last two weeks, but I never really got to it because of worship. But we can, we can quickly go through it and then we can see how we take this journey. So you can write there if you take your notes. Birth to one year, okay, you are, from birth to one year, you are developing skills of trust and mistrust this time with your mother of feeding and bonding, you're learning how to trust or mistrust. Remember we were saying that you can't do it yourself. So you need to depend on someone to change your nappy, feed you, burp you. And when those things are done the correct way, trust is being built or mistrust is being built already. But remember, sin has already passed through emotions. Everything has already been passed from the father and the mother down. Are you with me? So from one to three, through potty training, okay, you are learning a certain sense of autonomy and independence. And this stage is where you venture out and try lots of new things. But how you are trained when trying these new things, if there is a lot of limits and shouting and screaming at you, it will develop a spirit that is scared and not very confident to try new things. That's where we're talking about entrepreneurship. And you're really getting, you really get developed at that time. You remember, this is all around the conscience, eh? You must remember the conscience can be trained, guys. Okay? It can be trained. For some people, if I don't get to bed at 9 o'clock because I was trained that way, I'm an absolute failure. <laughs> Are you with me? If I land up late for church, I'm a complete unforgiven sinner. The conscience can be trained. That's why you can't rely on it. Some people can take a bomb, strap it around them, and, and, and walk into a place and, and blow people up. Because they think that their conscience has been numbed and trained to think that that is the right thing to do. Are, are you with me? So you can't train your conscience. You can't. Your conscience does not understand uh, grace and mercy. Your conscience is black and white. It only knows right and wrong. Are you with me? That's why God has to tell us that mercy is above judgment. 
Because when we judge ourselves, we judge others. It's automatic. Do you see how the scriptures line up? And he says, mercy is always above judgment. Why? Because he knows we're going to judge ourselves because we've got a broken conscience. And when we judge ourselves, we land up judging each other. We put the same things on others that we are failing at. Are you with me? It's the law of the flesh. It's how it works. He says, when our own heart is condemning us, he is greater than our own heart. So what is he trying to show us? Where's the conscience? In the soul. Where's the soul? It's a part of the heart. The spirit and the soul make up the heart. Okay? So do you see how this is all centered around the conscience? Are you with me, guys? Okay, so from three to six, the conflict you deal with um, uh, most with is initiative versus guilt. Your parents have always made you feel guilty about what you should have done and what you did do. What you did do. It develops a mindset of making decisions based on how guilty you feel. It actually trains you to be an emotional decision maker. This pattern grows with you into adulthood. I said adulthood. Yeah, I thought I spelled it wrong. Adulthood. But anyway, adulthood. So your parents didn't know any better. They were just doing what their parents did. My, my dad used to use uh, uh, manipulation on me when he wanted to get stuff done in the house. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? You know, you know um, why didn't you do this? You're living in my house. You live in my house. This is the way we'll do it. If you didn't do it, you haven't, you're not worthy of the Jacob's name. Are, are you with me? That's not how God talks to us. That's how... A broken man speaks to a broken boy. Are you with me? We're all broken in that sense. So what happens is with all the guilt and the shame and the manipulation and the force to get us to behave in a certain way to make ourselves feel better, our parents would do it so that they could feel like, listen, my kids are well behaved. My kids are, man, they've got the standard. They've got the mark. I must be a good parent. So once again, it's from the lack of that broken place yep. where we are trying to do something good. Are you with me? So that's why you must understand that the good is as bad as the evil and the evil is as bad as the good on our tree. Yep. The tree of knowledge and good and evil, even our good is tainted with bad. And our bad is, is evil. I mean, our, our bad is, is, is bad as our good and our good is as bad as our evil and evil and evil, you know? So let me carry on. So are, are you getting a picture here? So, when, so right there already, at three, from, three to, uh, from 6 to 12, you're really getting taught to make decisions through a guilty conscience. You're really getting trained to make decisions emotionally. We were at uh, Mark's house last night, and it was Michaela's birthday. She said something that was so profound. I, I loved it. She said that, Whenever her dad would bring logic to her emotion, it would get her out of the situation. Just logic, simple logic would take her out of the, the problem because the problem was tainted with emotion. That's why she couldn't make a decision. Do I do this or don't I do this? If I do this, what does it mean? If I don't do it, how bad am I? Are you with me? We need to be able to separate our decision making from our emotions. But you've been trained to do that. And that's why you think it's okay to use manipulation. You think it's okay to use tools of the flesh to get what you want from people or out of a circumstance. So without you even realizing it, your bad, I mean your good is bad. Are you with me? Are we, are we staying on track here? Is it making sense? Sure. Just bump the person next to you and say, if you don't know, I'll show you my notes afterwards. We're there now. Sorry. So 6 to 12 years old, you're dealing with uh, um, industry versus inferiority. Okay, this is where our sense of confidence and competence develop, is developed. Our school relationships and skills training uh, challenges this, okay? That's why teaching is a calling, not a job, because this is where most, teacher, this is where most teachers play such a profound part in people's lives. Teachers are like second parents, I mean, you're spending eight hours a day with these kids. You're, some, you're spending more hours with these kids than their own parents do. So what kind of, what kind of influence do you have with these children? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, so uh, um, basically, where was I? Yeah, again, eh? Yeah. Um, the way they speak to you, the way they now, are they, 
are they now affirming what you're getting at home? Yes. Because the teacher is just as broken as, the, as your parents at home. So listen, we're in trouble without Jesus. Everyone's broken. Everyone's blind. But Jesus says, if you say that you can see, that's where the problem comes. But if you're humble enough to say, you know what? I love my mom. I love my dad. But you know what, Jesus? Your way is better than their way. And I'm willing now to repent. That's what true repentance is, guys. It's not you repenting from having a smoke outside a skelem scafe. Are you with me? That's not what repentance is. The skelem scafe that you're taking is a, is a fruit of all of this brokenness that you're trying to deal with. Are you with me? Why do you do it? Because there's too much pressure. Why do people smoke? A lot of people go, yes, man, you know, if I don't smoke, I can't handle it. It's too intense. Life is too intense. Work is too intense. This is too, I've got to go take a break. I've got to calm myself down. Flesh can't fix flesh. Are you with me? Do you see what we do to ourselves? It's a vicious, endless circle. So we have to come to God and we have to repent. Not repent from sin, repent from your ego. Repent from the image that you are depending on to make yourself safe, to make yourself worthy. Yeah. Amen? So then from 12 to 18, do you want to read some of this, uh, Bash? No, okay, because... Um, I got, I got some, I'm, I'm racking them up. Yeah, okay, racking okay. Them up. So 12 to 18 years, this is where we start developing our sense of identity. We venture into peer relationships. Teenagers are most focused on finding an identity and want acceptance of who they think they are. What is going on here? That's pretty cool. Oh, that is awesome. Okay. <laughs> well done, guys. Where did you guys get that from? But anyway, okay. Okay, so teenagers are most focused on finding identity and one acceptance of who they think they are. This is why they will bond with anyone who accepts them. Once they are accepted, they begin to dress like them, talk like them, walk like them, tattoo themselves like them, uh, uh, you, you name it, you know, swear like them, express themselves like them. I mean, have the same haircuts. Look at Bash and Adley. But anyway, so... Just, that, just like to say, he got, <laughs> he got it from me. Yeah. Are, are you with me, guys? And that now, again, what is it? Once again, that's the flesh trying from the outside to, to appease the broken conscience. Yeah. Okay? Adley? So, <laughs> they, become to, they, they begin to become interested in <laughs> things that other, that other people have accepted. I was saying to Mark last night, we had such, so much... Good stuff being said last night. It's like, you know, they'll even adopt what your fun is. Yeah. What's fun? Whoa, that's a dangerous thing. Yeah. Come on, let's go have fun. If you don't know what that oak's fun is, you better, you better make sure before you leave yeah, the ask house. First. Yeah, please ask first. <laughs> Are you with me? So they, they run out there and they're looking for the sense of identity and they'll take it from anyone. And people will tell you that's why you can not get guys out of gangs. Do you know the hardest mindset to rehabilitate is a gang member? Yeah. That dude has been accepted to a point where he is a brother, a son, uh, he, he's a comrade, he's a, you name whatever he is. He's been socialized mentally, you know, into this thing. And you try and get him out of that thing, he will kill you for it. That's his family. And when you look at his family, they're like a pack of hyenas. But that's love for him. And he feels all those emotions and connections to them. But these guys are lying, thieving, cheating, pimping, flipping, murdering. But he goes, no, that's good for me. Why? Because he's making his decisions on his emotions. But who set him up for that? Mom and dad. They made him feel like he has to do something to become something that he already is. Yeah. Amen? So, so it, it is scary. Then from 19 to 40, you're dealing with love and isolation. Everybody say love. Dealing with love. Okay? 
This is the time of, the, of our lives where we're looking for um, loving, fruitful, harmonious, harmonious relationships. All these stages are preparing us for the next stage of life. If you never, if you never got what you needed in, uh, in the one before, you land up emotionally unequipped for the next stage. Are you with me? So now we go into uh, uh, marriage and all that kind of stuff, and we're carrying all that stuff into our marriage. You know, the world has got this thing where it says two halves make a whole. That's a lie. Two holes make a hole. Yeah, two holes make one hole, okay? If you have two halves making a hole, uh, you're going to have a big hole in your marriage. That's what you're going to have. Are you with me? People need to be made whole. <laughs> okay, so 40 to 60, we're dealing with stagnation and self-absorption. Because we are... Uh, we are parenting and finding ourselves in our careers. We are either going to give up, our, give ourselves to our children and nurture some champions of the world, or we will become totally self-absorbed or self-centered and perpetuate destructive cycles in their lives. Yeah. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? We can repent from this at any time we want to. Did you guys know that? You can repent from this thing anytime you want to. God is standing with his arms wide open and he's saying, did he come? You don't have to rely on this thing. Don't try and preserve yourself with this, thing, this image and, this, and these tools that you have in your flesh. Come, I've got something new, something special, something beautiful. I've got a way that is the path of life. Yeah. Amen? Amen? The path of righteousness. But it's the stubbornness of the human beings that will not come to this place and repent yeah yeah so just on this guys that's up here don't feel weird like oh this church they don't read from the bible you know like listen this is just an analysis of the problem okay obviously this has been years of study they've noticed this at these age groups and you know all this stuff happens we're not saying that this is a solution to anything we need to first understand what the issue is. That's the reason why we're going through this, okay? This is not a biblical doctrine. It's not Jesus being interpreted through, what's this dude's name? Erickson, right? This is just understanding, right, this first image we were painting in the beginning about the first Adam and the second Adam, all right? You see, the culmination of all these issues, we are talking decades upon decades here of what we call bad programming, right? That flesh being fortified, being added to and becoming more corrupt, right? Bad programming. Because you must remember, every single one of us have been wired to be as God is, right? From the moment you were conceived, you, you were wired to be as God is, but the programming from the natural world is what's affecting you. Are you with me? So when we look at this and we see like, okay, these are, this is what people have analyzed actually happens to individuals across all age groups at the different stages of life, we begin to realize that, okay, wait a minute, this is not the devil. This is not blessings and curses. This is not the wrath of God. This is not the power of money. This is not demons and, you know, all this weird stuff. This is actually this masterpiece of a creation that God started everything with that has become corrupt. Are you guys with me? Because the things I mentioned now are specific to believers. Someone who's stuck in, let's say, the, what was before 40 to 60? The, yeah, the 19 to 40, right? Yeah. The, in, the love versus isolation, that one. Yeah, intimacy versus, no, wait, there. Yeah, intimacy versus isolation, right? That, that span there, that's typically the, 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 the starter to the midlife, you know, crisis zone, you know? And what do you get? You get preachers that come up and say, yeah, listen, don't worry, Israel was in the desert as well, just like you. But the Bible says we are in Christ. Where is the desert in Christ, Linda? Tell me. Are you with me? And it's because we have that problem that we refuse to acknowledge that we cannot see. You see, it is this narcissistic principle that God, I'm coming to your kingdom, change your kingdom for me. But here's a nice little expose. I don't know if this guy was a believer or not or whatever. But obviously, he's just got findings of what happens. Yeah, he's a believer. Okay. So he, he's, he's documented what happens here. Now, you take someone who is so 
distorted and corrupt in the flesh, okay, because of the years and years and years of compounded bad programming, when they come to someone as good as God, do you know what you actually have to do, right, in your heart? You have to go back there to that first purple one, the one under the heading, not the heading, okay? There, infant to 18 months. Because what did Jesus tell Nicodemus? Mabru, you might be here by green, but you must go back to purple. Because when you were in the purple stage, someone told you something that was inconsistent with who I am. Because you see, the way we were created is that every single one of these phases was supposed to be based on Christ being the foundation, the character of God, his nature, the finished work of Jesus. It wasn't meant to be based on the corruption of the previous generation trying to be fixed and that corruption of the previous generation trying to be fixed. You know? Like the, the biggest one, like, like for me, right? The biggest one for me was that, you know, um, when, when, when you reach the opportunity where you're the first one in your family to study. You know, like tertiary education? It's like the honor of the family rests on you. Don't you dare fail. You better pass with like honors and cum laude. You know, you better, you better be that shining star. Redeem your family. Like, Mara, Jesus redeemed everyone. Now I must re-redeem. It doesn't make sense. But why? It's because that sense of failure is now trying to be fulfilled through you. Are you with me? And this thing gets passed on and it gets passed on and it gets passed on. So when we come to Jesus, regardless of what phase we're at here, we say, Lord, okay, let me pick up at green. Let's hoy. But it's like, when a, you want to pick up at green, but there's six steps before that to prepare you for green. You want to pick up at green, but you cannot sense value independent of your action. What are you going to do for your partner? As soon as your partner does wrong, you're going to demand chocolates and flowers. Depend, depending on which class of economy uh, you are, you might demand a BMW or something, you know? Go sleep on the couch. No, why? Let's apologize. Let's fix things, you know? Are you guys with me? So it's, it's this principle that we need to understand, guys. And because people have been so in the dark about God's creation, us, who we are, do you know that there, there are, okay, there are writings, texts, we can call them whatever. They're not doctrinal. They're not verified. They're not anything. But there are writings that speak of a time before the fall, okay? And I have gone into them. Don't. You don't. Until you get righteousness down, you don't read that stuff. I'm saying it now. Don't come to me next week and say, Bash, I read that thing. I said, I told you not to read it, right? But the thing is this, you go back and you read, there is certain visualizations and illustrations in there that you can't perceive with your natural mind. You know, people, we go out into the world today, and you know, have you ever seen those wallpapers of, of, of landscapes and sunsets and mountains, you know, valleys and rivers and oceans? You're like, oh, God's creation. But we are marveling at a destroyed creation. Let's take a step back. Genesis 6, the earth was destroyed by the flood. What we are looking at now is destroyed. Yet look how beautiful it is. Imagine what it was before. What were we as human beings before Adam destroyed us? Anyway, right? <laughs> what, were, what was the true nature? We're going to see it again. Don't worry. When he comes on that cloud, we'll know. Don't worry. When we see him, we'll be like... Aha. Okay, we get it. That must, that's how we must be, you know? When Jesus comes, we're like, okay, we missed it, but we're like that. Right. Are you guys with me? Right? That is why he's saying, I am trying to bring you back. I'm trying to restore you to your default setting, which is just as he is. All that corruption was added. Everything was put in, and we built our lives around that because we had no exit points. We didn't until Jesus came and the message of the gospel reached our hearts. Amen. Isn't Amen. God good? So, if we don't repent from this, why, why is he saying repent from this? Why is he saying that? Because what happens to, to the heart along this time, over the years, when the heart has been, been working so hard, to preserve its own image. And it doesn't repent from the self-image to the image of Christ. Okay, because that's what it's all about. We land up sending ourselves to hell. 
See, God's not going to send you to hell. You're going to send yourself there. Yeah, not you guys, because you guys have the truth, but I'm saying as a human who does not repent. Yeah. You land up sending yourself, and God will walk with you to the gates of hell for you to repent. Oh, stop saying you, but I'm saying us, you know, as people, unrepentant people. He will walk with us to the gates of hell. And he will show all his goodness and he will show all his love. But because we don't want to let go of this thing, the self-righteous image, the self-preservation image, we walk ourselves right through the gates. Are you with me? But we can repent at any time. That's the thing. Any time. And we have to repent quickly. Be quick to repent. Because we don't want to get stuck in any pattern that will take us away from Christ. Amen. Are you with me? Amen. So the thing is, is that, you know, there's, there's the graduation, the, the three graduations of a, of a person in, Psalm, uh, in Proverbs. It speaks about wisdom and it speaks about how she calls from the, from the streets, from the concords. And she calls out to us to repent unto wisdom. Are, are, do you understand what I'm saying? So what, what, what it's actually talking about is that, We've broken it down like this, is that it usually works like this. A young person that, that is walking in this thing and they don't repent, they're very simple-minded, they, no, they have no life experience. So the motto for them is, the motto for a young, simple-minded person is, I'm just going to experience life because um, it'll never happen to me. I won't, I won't end up like uh, Uncle So-and-so. I won't end up divorced. I won't end up uh, on a vice of alcohol or drugs or going to see a therapist or divorce three times or whatever. That will never happen to me. I'm just going to go on my merry little way. I know how to live my life. I am clever enough, big enough, wise enough, ugly enough to do it by myself. Are you with me? That's a simple-minded person. And they live by that motto, that will never happen to me. And then unfortunately... Life happens to them because you've got the blind leading the blind out there. And now their heart is so hard. Their heart is so messed up. And they are, I mean, they, they just, it, they find it even harder to repent. So what they do is they go back into themselves and they push harder. And they graduate from a simple-minded to a fool. And a fool lives by the motto of uh, what the F. What the food? Yeah, what the flip? Yeah, yeah. What the flip? Man, you know what? <sighs> you know, I'm 25. I'm already divorced. I have two kids. I'm addicted to alcohol. Um, you know, life sucks. Life's hard. But you know what? Who gives a flip anyway? Yeah. And what they do is they, go, they don't repent. And they push harder into themselves. And then the fool goes and he goes. And then eventually he becomes so hard in his heart. He becomes so cold in his heart. He becomes so damaged in his heart that he, 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 he can't even repent to come to God because he is now so broken. Are you with me? And so self, in such a self-preservation mode that he graduates to another phase. And that phase is called a mocker or a scoffer. Now the heart is so hard and so damaged that even when you bring Christ before them, they scoff at the wisdom. Yeah. Are you with me? They, they make a mockery of the wisdom of God. Why? Because anytime you put wisdom in front of them, it makes them think about how their lives are a mess. So they once again dig deep, preserve themselves. And instead of taking the wisdom, they scoff at it. They laugh at it. They say, God did this to me. Yeah. How you believe in a God that did this? How can you believe in a God that makes children sick? How can you believe in a God that caused my husband to fall in love with another woman? How can you believe in this? I, man, I've been through it all. I've got the t-shirt. Don't tell me. Are you with me? And that person eventually becomes so hard in their heart that they find it difficult to repent before it's too late. And even when God's showing his love and his righteousness, they find it hard to receive, hard to accept. Mm. And that's why 
Repent quick. Quick. You know what I'm saying? Drop the ego. We, we always use the, the, the Pharaoh example. Yeah. And Moses is like, do you want me to take the frogs away? He's like, ask me tomorrow. <laughs> Don't ask me today, Moses. Yeah. Ask me tomorrow. Like, yeah. Dude, you can take the frogs away now. <laughs> exactly. Are you with us? So when you get this picture of you know, performance and you get the picture of the devil and God and they're fighting and, and the, the devil's the problem in your life and whatever. No, no, he's not. The problem is the image that you see yourself through your own broken conscience. That's and through that image, you're building a life that is in adverse adversity towards God. Yeah. That's why he says, I resist a prideful man. But I give grace to the humble, teachable spirit. Yeah. Amen? Amen. Let's repent every day. That's it. Do you know that repentance is a, it's another word for relationship? If you've been married, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Marriage will teach you how to repent, guys. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Marriage will teach you how to repent. So... <clears throat> Be quick to repent. Be teachable. Always remain teachable. It is the most beautiful thing in the eyes of God, a teachable, pliable, shapeable, moldable man or woman. Mm. Amen? Yeah. Because when you think you know, you don't know. That's it. I promise you. Blind. Huh? Blind. 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 So I I think it's quite a different take on grace. Did you guys get something this morning? Hey? Are you seeing why it is God's ability at work in us? It's because of this framework that's been set up over the years. We need someone greater than us to come in to renovate that entire thing. Are you guys with me? Right? This is why God says, it's my unmerited, unearned, deserved favor at work in your life. My power is not limited by your bad framework. If you will allow God, his power will work in your heart and those frameworks will be torn down and built up properly in the way that they were supposed to be based on Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on, give God a round of applause. Amen. How fast? Yeah. Awesome. So for the stewardship message in line with this, right, Romans 6, it tells us that we must reckon ourselves dead to sin in the same way that Jesus died to sin, right? Now, the attitude that you must get from this morning's message, okay, is that when you go out this week, when you see symptoms or indicators of sin, now not sin, the action, sin, the place, Adam's symptoms. When you see symptoms of Adam, right, you need to, in your heart, put those things to death and experience life in Jesus, in your own life, take it. No one's going to come and do it for you because your heart is your own. God Himself is not going to do it for you. He paved the way, He made the way possible, right? But have a zero tolerance in your life for any symptom of Adam because you're no longer in Adam. You are now in Jesus. Adam's got no place there. So when the symptoms of Adam come up in your life, don't be like, oh, I don't know what to do. Oh, I'm going to. No, you need to stand up. Stand on this word. Put this word in your heart and accept this and reject that. Are you with me? Bash, what does this have to do with stewardship? That is an amazing question, Pastor Didi. I'm so glad you asked that question, right? Now, stewardship, right? What's the number one thing with money? Fear, right? Hello? Never going to have enough. I almost went into a Rick Astley. No, I'm joking. But what is the thing about money? It's fear, right? Am I ever going to have enough? Is there ever going to be enough? right? Is fear a symptom of sin or a symptom of righteousness? Exactly. Because what is the symptom of righteousness? It is peace. So if you have fear in your heart about provision, guys, it's not about, oh, I got I to gotta give this to God and he's going to answer. No, God's already given you everything. If you've got a fear in your heart about provision, the problem is, is not God not providing. The problem is the symptom of Adam is still in your heart. You know, something amazing happened. You know, we say Jehovah Jireh, 
You know when he was acknowledged as Jehovah Jireh? It was in Genesis where you go read with Abraham and Isaac, right? And Isaac is going up this mountain and they know they are going to sacrifice to God. So Isaac being a little bit intelligent, he says to his dad, he's like, yo dad, pops, listen here, man. Let me just holler at you for a second, right? I know you said we're going to sacrifice. What are we going to sacrifice? Where? Where's the thing? Abraham in his heart knows God already said it's your son. But what does Abraham say? He says, the Lord will provide. Now, he's not saying to Isaac, listen, this is something that God does. He, he's actually saying to Isaac, the Lord is the provider. Abraham had no clue what was waiting up there. And in Hebrews, Paul explains that Abraham was so convinced about who God was that he was convinced that even if he killed his son, he was going to get him back because he was of the promise. Go read it in Hebrews. It's there. It's there. Paul's right. He says, listen, Abraham believed that even if he went up there and sacrificed Isaac, he knew he would get his son back from the dead because God promised Isaac to Abraham and Abraham knew who God was and God was never going to go back on his word. Jesus himself said, your problem is not your faith. It's your doubt. You see, in that moment, Abraham could have said, hey, I don't know, but if we don't find anything there, I guess it'll have to be you. Now, that's a rough thing to say to your kid. But that's doubt, right? But what did he say? He's like, listen, man, whatever this situation is, I know who God is. God is the provider. Son, I don't have a sacrifice for up there, but God is the provider. So when we say, oh, Jehovah Jireh, don't think of it as an action that God does. It is an attribute of who he is. So if you have that symptom of fear in your heart about provision, now don't tell me how bad your situation is, because I'm trying to tell you how good God is. The two can't meet halfway. We don't get to come halfway, listen, this is how good God is, and then you come halfway and say, but this is how bad my situation is. You choose one or the other. When you are in between and you're having a negotiation, you get nothing, sorry. And it's not because God hasn't given it, it's because your heart can't receive it. A double-minded man receives nothing, is unstable in all his ways. Choose. Repent right now about who your source is. Because your fear is from the limitation of the source that you've chosen. Choose God as your source. Let peace reign in your heart and provision will never be a problem for you. Amen. So give God a praise. Amen. We're going gonna to change the name of the church to Church with Repentance. Hallelujah. <laughs> so if you're preparing your gift this morning, those are our details. They should be on the screen as well for our online audience. Uh, we're going to send the bags now? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who's helping us with the bags? Auntie Mel, Shamane, Uncle Estee. Harris, Auntie Estee. Estee. Thank you so much. Prepare your gift in love. In freedom, in confidence that God Don't is your deceive your own hearts, guys. Yeah, when it's time to give, don't deceive your own heart. When you hold on and you don't let go, you're actually telling your own heart that he is not the provider. Yeah. That's how it works. Yeah. Let go and trust him and watch what he does. Amen? Amen. Amen. Man, this, this series is going to be exciting. I'm Amen. telling you. It's, it's going to be unreal. You guys got to make sure that you are bringing people who have heard a distorted gospel based on all the symptoms of Adam. We want to hear the gospel based on the righteousness of Jesus. Amen? We want to take a step back and understand that God has created us with authority in this life. Amen? So we're not slave to our thoughts. We're not slave to our emotions. We're not even slave to the beliefs in our heart. God is saying change all of that in line with him. Amen? Amen. Amen. I want you guys to look around. You see the empty chairs? That's not on us. That's on you guys. Yeah, please, eh? It's on you guys. I don't have that many friends. There no. is no excuse why we are not winning, winning the lost, bringing in the broken. There is so much that people in your life can get from the, these messages and from this church. Nothing, is, nothing false is put on them. No false responsibilities. Yeah. No false teachings. It's all out of the Bible. Can, it's can not we, that we're blowing our own horn. Can we ask him a question? Ask him a question. So, so you know typically with church, right? You don't want to bring people because you feel like they'll feel uncomfortable when they come, right? I remember, where, where's Al? Al, you remember when I invited you to church all those years ago? 
I said, listen, everything's cool, but don't, don't listen to the money part. You remember? Yeah. No, not this church. No, no, the church we were at before. I was like, oh, you got to come to church, dude. It's amazing. But I'm like, yeah, ignore the money part. Like the God's love part, everything's cool. Right? You guys remember that? You ever had that experience in your life? Right? If, what do you have to be embarrassed about here? Okay, apart from the fact that we start late. We, we know that. We are repenting. That, that, thank you. Honestly, I appreciate that. Thank you. But listen, you do understand that if you bring people and they sit in a service like this and they've been given the clear picture from God's word, do you understand the accountability that will create in their heart? They'll go out here, they'll come in here being a victim to everything in the world, but go out there and realize, you know what? Overcoming this thing is my choice. You don't understand the kind of freedom that gives a person in their heart, guys. Do not rob the loved ones in your life of this. I promise you, it will change their lives. Because the minute they realize that, wait a minute, everything in my life that's corrupt or painful or whatever is because of me, and Christ has empowered me to overcome these things, I can be free. Are you guys with me? Do the work of love. And tell people about Jesus. Please, guys, bring them here so they can hear this gospel. Amen.